Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 154, and we are delighted to have in the head coach of the number four team in the country, Kirkwood. Is it the Eagles, Coach? Aren't they the Eagles? It is is the Eagles, yeah. It is the Eagles. Kirkwood Community College, the Eagles out of of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, Coach Tim Sanquist, uh, really excited to have Tim on the podcast this week. And uh, we're going to get going here in just a second. But before we do, of course, we need to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic Coaches. If you're having any issues with spinal, neck, or balance issues, have uh, have have yourself go in and go see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at COSAC Chiropractic. Give them a call at 402-964-0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Uh, we try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Of course, you're listening. Please subscribe. That helps out. The subscription numbers keep going up. Love to see that. That helps me out. Helps us uh, help out other coaches. Uh, but uh, you're you're on iTunes. Like, subscribe, give us five stars. Get the word out so we can help as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandnapkin at gmail.com. Check out a penandnapkin.com. Really good coaching website. I actually was having a conversation with a former student of mine last night, now turned into junior high coach, and he was asking me all these questions. I said, hey, just, just go to the website. Go to penandnapkin.com and... You know, if you've got any questions after that, then let me know. So uh, hopefully that'll help him out and help you out as well. And, of course, if you'd be willing to check out patreon.com backslash a pen and a napkin, that would be awesome. Coach Sandquist, how are you doing this fine Monday evening? I'm good, Coach. How are you? Uh, hanging in there. Uh, we had a good practice tonight. Uh, hopefully we play as well as we practice tomorrow. Uh, we got a game tomorrow, and uh, we're playing our uh, defending conference champions. So it's, it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be a tough one. Obviously, they've got a lot of kids back from last year's team. Uh, so we had a really good practice today. How about you? You know, we had uh, we went today too, so we were uh, we were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Had a coming off a weekend, coming off a our day off yesterday, obviously. So we got a whole week of uh, whole week of prep here, leading up to our last one before break. But we had an okay one today. Good, good to hear. So, well, Tim, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Really excited to have you on here, episode one hundred and fifty four. Uh, let's get this started, uh, the way that we normally get it started. Uh, you know, Tim, tell us a little bit about yourself, your basketball journey, uh, growing up on the mean streets of Omaha, Nebraska, and, uh, ended up in, in, uh, the equally as mean streets of Cedar Rapids, Iowa there. Uh, what, what was the journey? How'd you get there? And, and tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So kind of a, a long and winding journey, a little unconventional, I guess, in some ways, but, uh, grew up in Omaha, uh, grew up in Ralston, actually, okay. and, uh, you know, grew up playing through their Optimus programs, um, kind of that same age of class of guys uh, for Ralston that kind of made a couple of those state tournament runs there. Mm-hmm. Early 2000s, had some really good teams go through, um, so uh, I got taught by some some really good youth coaches um, in that program uh, down there at Ralston and was, was fortunate enough to to kind of uh, just grow up, you know, playing the playing mm-hmm. there uh, with some guys from Ralston and, and through it, and and then high school rolls around. I go to Omaha Christian Academy. Uh, that's where I graduated from. Uh, played for Mike Thompson, uh-huh. um, and um, was just a, was just an okay high school player. Uh, I'm not gonna uh, inflate you know the, the truth or anything, sure. but uh, 
you know, um, ended up down at University of Nebraska Lincoln, followed some friends down there just to go to school and um, got on as a manager um, during the 0405 year under Barry Collier um, and kind of got a taste of the college um, deal there. I transferred back to University of Nebraska Omaha where I eventually finished my bachelor's and master's and and um, kind of the, the bridge gap there, 05, 06, I helped out, um, helped out Coach Thompson in OCA. And then 06, 07, I got linked up with Coach Hanson at UNO and uh-huh. um, kind of worked my way up as a student manager, student assistant, all the way up to GA uh-huh. through the program. And was there for five years and had um, learned a lot. And we had a lot of success and got to work with, you know, obviously Coach Hanson, but Kenya Crandall, who's now back there, and uh, Randall Herbst and Tyler Irwin and mm-hmm. Todd Lawrenson, and, and got to lucky enough to coach a lot of a lot of good players from the Metro. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there I won't name I won't name them because I'll leave somebody out and I'll probably get a text. So, just a lot of, a lot of good Metro players there, and, and had a lot of success, and um, you know, got to see how things were done at a high level at a, at a really really good Division two program back at that time, yep. and you know, learned a lot, um, and things that I still use to this day, um, from my time there with coach Hanson, I, I owe a lot to him, um, really as a mentor and, and somebody who just gave me a shot, you know? And so, uh, finished my GA, uh, there in 2011. And that was when the summer they were making the jump to division Mm one. And, kind of a mutual mutual conversation I had with Coach Hansen. It's best for me to to get some recruit under my belt and and uh, started applying to junior college jobs. So um, kind of went through the ringer of that summer of trying to find a job. So I found out really quick just how hard uh, it is to get a job in this business. Yep. And actually uh, didn't know if I was going to be able to do it because it, was, it came about August and I was still looking and I was fortunate enough to get hired on at Southwestern community college in Creston, Iowa in the league that I'm in now, um, as an assistant for Mike Holmes and, uh, Mike ran the chin offense and played, uh, I got my first exposure to, um, kind of the, uh, the, uh, the gap defense, the, um, you know, the Midwest kind of yeah. pack it in pack yep. line the and pack line. Yep. that was, uh, the complete opposite of what I was used to at Omaha. At that time we were pressing for almost four minutes, 40 minutes, the first good shots, the best shot and, um, you know, get out and deny. And so went to the complete opposite end of the spectrum and, you know, playing games in the fifties and forties. And, and, uh, so that was a great experience and Mike's still a, a great friend and he's now the AD that's over at San Ambrose and mm-hmm. in the quad cities. Um, but just got exposed to a completely different brand of basketball. Yep. Um, and, um, and, and, ta- and learned a lot and I was having to coach kind of while I was learning and I had four different titles, you know, working there at, at SWIC and, I was an adjunct faculty. I was assistant basketball. I was assistant housing. I was uh, head golf coach. You know, all kind of paired together. You know, just to kind of make a living and yeah. lived in the dorms, and um, you know, 
just kind of got exposed to small college basketball and what that's like and wearing a lot of different hats and and uh, I was there for only about 11 months and um, I got a call from a good friend of mine Kyle Campbell who was uh, who, who came up and worked UNO camps in the summer so I got to know Kyle he's from Curtis Nebraska out west mm-hmm. and he was an assistant at Coffeeville at the time down in Kansas and he had just got the head job at Dodge City um, needed assistant and I agreed, so I um, was packing up my stuff. About two weeks before I'm supposed to move, campus gets hit by a tornado. Oh, I goodness. lose about half my stuff. <laughs> my, my 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 apartment gets hit. My roof gets blown off. Oh, so I had like this, you know, I don't know, 18-foot U-Haul. I only needed about like the smallest <laughs> one that, that you could get. So. But you can laugh about my, it now, but at the time I it had to be devastating. now yeah, a little yeah. bit, but... Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I then it was moving to where tornadoes are even more common. So down there in, in Kansas. So, um, you know, made about the nine and a half hour trek, moved myself down to Western Kansas and, uh, and coached out there for four years and, and kind of cut my teeth in the Jayhawk West and, and learned a lot, got to coach a lot of good players. Um, had a lot of fun, mm-hmm. you know, while doing it and, uh, and then uh, got married, had our first kid there in Dodge, and um, you know had a lot of life experiences down there, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of good memories from Western Kansas. Still feels like home in a lot of ways. And then after four years there, I actually left and, and took another another JUCO assistant job at Northwest Kansas Tech, somewhat of a new program. Uh, they were in the Region Six, but weren't in the Jayhawk, so they could actually offer full rides. Um, and um, got connected there uh, with Jeremy Johnston through the golf coach that was at Dodge. Mm-hmm. And um, they were former college buddies at Colorado Mesa. So uh, made the jump uh, for the first time really for the pay. Yeah. And and um, was kind of the only contributor kind of to the move. And um, it just – Newly married, um, having a kid, you, you know, it kind of changes well, your perspective on absolutely on what's important. And you know, now you know, instead of just say hey, I'm coaching for fun because what I love to do, now you kind of be got to be thinking of other people. And and so uh, made that move just because of salary. It was kind of the first time in that in my career, short career that 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 had happened. And so spent two really good years out in Goodland, Kansas, home of Brooke Behringer, You know, mm-hmm. for those Cornhusker fans, so that was kind of cool. Um, you know, as a kid growing up in the nineties in Omaha, you know, those teams, you know, some of those guys were my idols. So that sure. was kind of neat just to kind of see his kind of memorial every time we walked in the gym, but, um, Goodland and, and Jeremy was fantastic. And Jeremy's a great friend of mine and, uh, met some really, really great people out in Goodland and, and uh, we had some success out there. And so I was only out there for two years and then 2018 rolls around and I get offered my first head job. And, um, at Rock Valley College in Rockford, Illinois. And, um, we, uh, my wife and I are in Denver. Uh, we're having baby number two. Uh, we've got the job offer. We haven't decided yet if we're taking it. And, you know, while we're, while we're waiting to have a baby, we kind of decide, all right, this is, this is the move. And, you know, at the time I was in my thirties and, and it was kind of, you know, at the moment we're like, okay, where well, you're trying to be 
trying to be a division one assistant or I'm going to try to get a junior college head job. So whichever one comes first, you know, yeah. that's going to be the move. Yeah. So, um, we decided in the hospital, we're going to take it. And I, I had some connections there. So the head softball coach there at Rock Valley, who quickly then became the AD, we both worked at Southwestern at Swick in Iowa, my first job. So we had known each other. His wife was the assistant women's coach there. He was a softball assistant softball coach. So they were there at Rock Valley. So that was kind of my connection there. Uh, and we decided to do it. So then we get back from uh, the hospital with our with our boy, and <laughs> I leave the very next day to drive to Illinois to go sign a contract and kind of do all that, all that stuff, get introduced. And, and then, um, I kind of go back and forth a couple of weeks and then I move out to Illinois, yeah. um, you know, for about probably a good two months, two and a half, three months. And, and really when I see my family, you know, every other weekend, um, and they make the, make the move back to Omaha. But so, you know, coaches out there, it's kind of like, what sacrifices are you willing to make? You know, I, and my wife and I were on the same page, but, you know, leaving a, a wife with a newborn and then a three-year-old uh, and go move 12 hours away, yeah. um, it was hard, and, and but, tough, yeah. but ultimately was the right decision. We um, hired my, I, I, I got a very small stipend for assistant there, and, um, you know, Rock Valley had just been coming off of winning a couple of national championships with Craig Doty, who's now the head coach at Emporia State. Yep. Um, his assistant, Evan Lavery, had just left Rock Valley to go down to ESU with him. So I, I came in after Lavery and um, had a very small st- a stipend for assistant. And I, you know, I didn't know when to go hire a local guy. Somebody I don't know. You know, I really want to get somebody I trust and know in there and uh, a former player from Dodge city um, just finished up kind of his schoolwork uh, was done being kind of a high school assistant. While during that time um, I coached him as a sophomore, my first year at Dodge city um, and just kind of one of those players that you just really click with. And, and we became friends quickly after and kept in touch always and always met up when I was in Wichita recruiting and, mm-hmm. and he was looking to get in college coaching. So I hired him. Tyler Francis, he lived in my basement there in Illinois. And um, we played for a national championship that year and had a lot of a lot of success and was really content there, to be honest with you. We we had some people we knew and really liked the city and and um then uh, the Kirkwood job opened up and um kind of applied for it, you know, late later on in, in while it was open and it uh, ended up, yeah, it was probably less than two weeks, I ended up being the head coach there. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, just now starting my fourth year. And yeah. um, so kind of the rest is history. So that's kind of been my journey. Um, falling in love with the junior college level and um, and uh, really wouldn't trade my journey for anything, yeah. to be honest with you. I learned a lot and worked for a lot of good people, met a lot of good friends along the way. And been able to help out a lot of young student athletes have, that have had to come to this level for a variety of different reasons. And it's, mm-hmm. it's been really rewarding. And, um, and, um, like I said, one traded for the world and it's been a great experience. When you were going through your, your process of, uh, bouncing around, so to speak, before you, uh, 
got the head coaching job there at Rock Valley. You you, you talked about uh, the guy you worked with at Creston, and he was a big pack line guy, which is Darren is at that time was running and flying all over the place and that type of thing. How valuable was that for you as as a young assistant coach to see so many different philosophies and and how to coach uh, this silly little game of ours? Yeah, no, I think it was extremely uh, helpful because. Um, you know, I, I was, I say fortunate, you know, and you could look at my resume and say, well, he's kind of, kind of moved around a little bit. Like, cause he liked to stay in one place for a while. And, you know, I think, uh, there's a lot of value for working for different people because they all coach differently and you can kind of pick and choose what works for you that they do and what doesn't work for you and not do that. And going to coach, you know, work for coach Holmes, who was, um, the complete opposite of that style of play was kind of rocked my world. And, uh, you know, to, to go from a team that was super talented at Omaha to go to a, you know, a school where, you know, we were probably one of the last schools in the league in terms of budget and facilities and scholarship amounts. And, you know, we didn't have the most, you know, um, talented roster. So you got to figure out, you know, different ways to be successful and be competitive and, and I saw you could do that. Mm-hmm. And how to do that was by playing really good defense mm-hmm. and and being really sound in your approach and your teaching. And um, so so that that really stuck with me. And I, I still run some concepts that, that Mike ran defensively mm-hmm. to this day. Mm-hmm. And so that was super influential into me and my, into my defense. And um, I, I did not take the chin. I, I did I did <laughs> not adopt uh, adopt the offense. <laughs> But, but I did, uh, I did really take a liking to his defense. And then when I went to Kansas, Coach Campbell, Kyle ran the pack line as well, and that's kind of, and Coach Johnson did too. So I was very been kind of you know inundated with pack line philosophy and 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 saw a lot of value in it. So, um, but yeah, that first year at Swick was looking back at it, just very influential with kind of my approach and then what I took from that. I learned a lot. Yeah, you. Uh... You know, you had a few stops along the way, and then you end up in a in a great place at Rock Valley. But yet, it's a it's a different position. Uh, you're at you're officially a head coach for the first time. What was that? Uh, if you had uh, any advice for for coaches who have have maybe been an assistant for a while and think that they're ready to be a head coach, uh, what advice do you have for for those folks that are thinking about making that jump here in the next few months when we get into the next? you know, hiring cycle in the spring here? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I, I think as an assistant, if you have those aspirations, um, you'll think you're ready. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you think you're ready for it, but nobody is ever prepared to go be a head coach. Kind of like being a, a parent, lot. huh? You know? Yeah, being a parent, <laughs> getting a promotion at a new job, yeah. you know, maybe if you're going from a, into a management role where you weren't before at a business, um, nothing, it's not going to prepare you. And there's a lot of learning as you go. And, um, hopefully, you know, being able to self reflect and be able to critique yourself. Hey, what did I do? Well, what did I not do? Well, what do I need to be better at, et cetera. But it's, it's a big change going from sitting down to standing up. Yeah. You know, and and um, there's so many little decisions that you have to make during the day of a season 
that you don't really either notice or see as an assistant because you're 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 kind of doing your own thing and, mm-hmm. and worrying about you know your responsibilities that um it, it's 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 exhausting you know it's tiring it's 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 um you know anxiety inducing because you know now everything stops with you you know yeah. your 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 fingerprints are all over it it's your win loss record you know where as an assistant you know i slept great as an assistant <laughs> you know i did no issues yeah. you know yeah. I, it, but now as a head coach it's just the stress the anxiety the pressure that you put on yourself it's a different deal and um i think you got to be ready to handle that and have have plans to handle that those emotions because they can get out of control pretty quick yeah and um but there's nothing like it either you know there's uh-huh. nothing like being your own boss running your own program um and uh but nothing will prepare you you yeah. won't and um so I, I think that's the biggest thing is just going into it knowing i'm going to learn probably more about myself as a coach this first year as a head coach than i have the last you know however many years in assistant yeah so A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter Send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the a pen and a napkin video library. I always used to, when I set out for the couple of years that I set out, uh, a couple of my buddies, they'd be, you know, we'd be talking about their teams and, you know, and I always say, Hey, you know, I'm sleeping great. This is the best I've slept in years. You know, I, I haven't stared at my ceiling for, for months and they're, they're you know, they, I can't say what they uh, told me after I would say those things because this is a PG 13 po- uh, podcast, but, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of truth to that, uh, that, that, uh, you have to have the ability to let it go, uh, which is hard to do when when you're in the situation of being the head coach of, of any program, whether it's a JUCO program or a high school program or a Division One program or an NBA team. It's hard to let that go, but yet you have to figure out that process of letting things go, don't you think, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, you have to have a what's next type of approach, right? Mm-hmm. You've always got to be really willing to, to, to move on to the next problem that you got to solve or the next opponent and what's next. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't sit and dwell on, you know, a, a mistake or should I have done this one way or the other? I, I think you got to just kind of assess and take it and then move on. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when the situation happens again, you know, hopefully um, you can, you can learn from, from the past and you're right yeah you, you can't dwell on things because things are moving so fast throughout even just the course of a day um that that you just got to be confident with your with your decision making and and don't second guess yourself and mm-hmm. reassess after the fact so I, i've always thought tim one of the hardest things of being at the juco level is you have these these kids for two or three years if they take a redshirt year 
and you want to put them in a position to be successful so that they can finish their four-year degree, they can hopefully go on and play a couple more years after they're done with your program, and you want to give them those opportunities to show themselves to other schools while at the same time, though, you're thinking about, hey, we still got to get wins and, and, and we want to advance the team and so forth. Uh, how how do you keep that balance with your with your guys? How do you how do you explain that as you're recruiting? Uh, how your process is going to work and and what you can do for them without you know you know you still have the responsibility going out as winning winning as many games as you can. Yeah, I think there's a balance, and I think um, I think you can get caught up too much in that balance mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, what are we looking for? I would say that at Kirkwood, we recruit probably more similar to a, our roster makeup would probably look more similar to a division two or NEI program than a junior college. Um, and I, I think, you know, people assume junior college means everybody at that level is there because they didn't get the grades to qualify, yeah. right? Yep. And, and, and that's, yep. that's that's certainly, I think, a negative connotation that, that our level has, that it's just for, you know, kids that just don't have grades. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, our level exists. But there's a lot of other reasons why, you know, kids go junior college. And, you know, Kansas and Iowa – both have great junior college tradition and success and you know our local student athletes in the state it's a very viable option you know for them and there and there's really no looking down on it um in those two states and so i think you know junior college can help a variety of different people i think one for the athlete who is (coughs) maybe who does have (coughs) excuse me a little low gpa a little low test score. They can't get into a, a D1, D2. Um, you know, obviously that's where we come in, right? Yep. Um, and, and can help, uh, you know, get them on the right track academically to graduate from a two-year and then to move on to a four-year. Um, but then I also think junior college is for the athlete, student athlete that, you know, now with the transfer portal, you know, it, it's, it's, it's affected high school kids and their recruitment. And, uh, you know, unless you are, you know, in the top 10 of your state class, or if you're a top, you know, 300 recruit, you know, it's, it's, it's a little harder out there now. So Mm -hmm. we can be a viable option for an athlete. That's their recruitment. Isn't where they, where they would like it, you know, and they're qualified. They get good grades. Yep. Uh, they can go to a four year, but they're, you know, for whatever reason, they're not getting the division one offer. They're just getting the division two offers or they're, they're not getting the division two offers and they're just getting any D three. Mm-hmm. And they, they want to bet on themselves saying, I'm a better player than that. I can work, I can work to get a better scholarship and that's where we can come in as well. So, you know, we have a very, very even mix on our roster between qualifier and non-qualifier mm-hmm. and, um, which I think has allowed us to, one of the reasons why we've had some success at Kirkwood and been able to win some games is, is because we have just a very good balance of, uh, of people and backgrounds and, um, reasons why they, they have chosen to go junior college. So, mm-hmm. um, it's a great level. It's a, it's a lot, every story is different. Every kid's different, but I think how you balance it is, um, say, Hey, here's what our level can offer you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think this could be applicable to your situation because, you know, ABC. And, uh, you know, we're fortunate here. You know, there's a lot of junior colleges I've worked at that are in small towns. There's not a lot to do. Um, You know, going out to Dodge City, Kansas, it's a culture. It was a culture shock for me. You know, going out, I saw my first tumbleweed out there, you know, Western (laughs) Kansas. I'm like, what is, you know, that wasn't rolling around, you know, 72nd and Harrison where I grew up, you know, so like, what, what is this? You know, um, that's Seymour Smith park area though. I've seen a few cowboys out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a few. It's still Nebraska, you know, but, um, you know, this is what we can offer you. And this is why we think it's successful in, in Kirkwood. You know, we're, we're lucky. We're in, you know, the state's second biggest town. We've got 6,000 students on our campus. It feels more like a Division two school than a junior college. Uh, we have great facilities. We have a great campus life. There's a lot of things going for us um, outside of just basketball, you know. So, And that's that's very helpful. So, But in terms of, like, how do we, how do we balance winning games and helping kids get to the next level, Um I run my program no different than probably any other four-year when we're on campus. Um, I, we're very upfront with kids. Like, you can't be afraid of competition here because there's going to be, you know, we're going to be three deep at every position, and you need to know that. And, you know, we're going to recruit really good players. And now in college, it's, you know, I'm no longer the best t- player on my team, you know, because the other guys, they were all yeah. their high school team's, you know, best player. Or one of their best players, too. You know, so now... And that's kind of the biggest adjustment that a lot of kids have is, I'm not the best player anymore, and you think you're ready for that role until that is your role, and that's really hard for a lot of kids to take. It uh, is, yeah. and and now it's they can't just rely on talent. Now, you know, talent will only get you so far, and now is where hard work comes in, right? Mm-hmm. And the work is what separates players at the college level. So... You know, I'm very upfront. You know, I say, you know, hey, we're my rotation is about ten guys, maybe eleven max, and that's where it is. And you know, my job is to help you get on, but you also have to help yourself to move on too. Yeah. You know, and so you know, once the season starts and we, get, you know, end of October and we kind of determine our roster, um, my rotation, you know, it it's set. You know, right now my rotation is about nine guys. Yeah. Part of that's part of that's because of injury because we've been pretty banged up but um you know in a perfect world it's about 10 yep. and i you know i'm very upfront with guys and i have you have to have a lot of conversations as well throughout throughout september throughout october to let guys know hey this is where you're at this is where we see you as a staff this is what you need to get better at in a short amount of time uh this year we, we actually even posted the depth chart as we went through just wow, so guys yeah. knew like fully transparent hey if you got questions you need to come and ask me you know, I'll tell you, yeah. you know, I'll tell you what I'm seeing. So there is that balance, but I think you could, you could also balance it too much where you're trying to play everybody and keep everybody happy. Yeah. Um, and then you're not going to win. Yeah. You know what? Your job is still to win games yep. at the end of the day. Yep. And, and you may not do that as much then. So it's, it's a very delicate balance. Uh, and then choosing, you know, hey, maybe this guy just needs a red shirt, maybe he doesn't. You know, what's what's the best for him and what's best for us? So, mm-hmm. so many factors that go into that. But I think, you know, the best thing is just to have a lot of conversations, be upfront and honest with guys, and, and just tell them what you know where they're at, what they need to work on, and mm-hmm. and I, I think it all it all settles out. I think at the end, mm-hmm. and um, it always has for us. Um, I've never 
you know, whether we've, whatever season we've never had a full roster, either whether it's injuries or, you know, there's eligibility issues at semester or whatever. It it all works itself out usually. Mm -hmm. Um, You, uh, you spent five or six years with, with Darren Hanson. Um, Great guy uh, was unfortunately let go last year by, uh, by Omaha uh, but uh, a terrific basketball coach. He's going to end up landing on his feet somewhere at some point here uh, when he's ready to get back into it. What What are some of the big things that you took from Darren? Man, such a people person. You know, I, I think as everybody around Omaha knows, um, one of the most likable guys um, in the sports business in Omaha. And um, I, I, one, one thing I learned, a couple things I learned, I, I think it's it's all about people and relationships. And he was so good at having really good relationships with his players. And, you know, there's always guys in his office talking. Um, He valued, Darren really valued other opinions. Um, One of his lines that that has always stuck out to me that he always used was, you know, if we're in a staff meeting, he'll say, hey, guys, like, if we're all thinking the same thing, nobody's thinking. Yep. You know, so he valued different opinions even from his own to help grow and push the program forward and um that's probably been one of the main things i've taken from working for coach hansen was valuing assistant feedback even if it is goes against what i think or it goes against you know um what i've believe in um you know because there's eagles can get involved there and you know feelings can get a little hurt but it was always so conducive it's always a program first and and um so those two things just it's about the kids it's about people it's about relationships and then again just um wanting other other voices and other opinions in those staff meetings um what I what kind of the main things I really took from working for Coach Hanson um, for five years, and it was a great five years. I, I learned so much. I, he took a chance on a guy that walked in in his office and um, and um, put a lot of put a lot of responsibility on me at the end of the day. And I have a lot to be grateful for for that guy. Yeah, you know when uh, and, and you know that brings me actually to my next question nice job with that tim you know you just hired an assistant coach not too uh, long ago uh, uh jacob lorbeck uh you've just gone through that process and i'm i'm sure over the last 3 or 4 years you've hired quite a few folks and and you talked a little bit about it earlier about who you want to bring in and uh you know what are some things that that you're looking for as a head coach when you're hiring assistant coaches what's what's at the top of your list when you're when you're hiring folks yeah. So I, I, I lost a really good assistant, Ryan Kirsch, who um, was retained when I got the job. He worked for Brian Peterson, won a national championship the year before I got to Kirkwood. So Coach Kirsch left to go be the top assistant at Minnesota Duluth. They're having a great year, you know, top 10 in the country in D2. So I had a hire, and um, yeah, I, I talked to Darren, you know, kind of about that process because of the first time I, I had to do it, and he's had to do it before. And talked to a couple other guys too that I, that I trust in the business and kind of got their thoughts. But I think, you know, you have to, when doing this, you've got to really verbalize and have it written out. Like, what are your, what are your goals for your program? 
what did that assistant bring that you are now losing that's different from the other guys on the staff and how can you fill that? Um, you got to be looking for a fit. You know, at small college level, there's not millions of dollars involved. Um, you know, I want, you know, we're all away from family, you know, the kind of the coaching staff, it's kind of built in friendships in a lot of ways, yeah. you know, and I, I want to be able to work with somebody, enjoy being spending time with them because of how much time we do spend with each other and around each other, you know, all year long. And, um, but really I think you have to kind of remove yourself from your staff and look critically as at you as a head coach. And if you have another system and what you bring and say, what do I need? What do I not do well as a head coach from whether it's just how I coach, how my personality is, et cetera. Like I need somebody different. Right. Um, and you know, coach Francis and I were, were very similar in a lot of ways when coach Kirsch was very different than us in a lot of ways. And we balanced each other out, uh-huh. um, personality wise, philosophy wise. And we really, really worked well together and, and really had a really good collaboration of ideas always. And so I was looking for somebody a little different than me, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and, um, I didn't want to hire somebody who I felt was too much like me. I need to hire somebody different, and um, went through the process for about five weeks and um, hired Coach Lorbach. And, and he's had uh, he had some Division II experience. He had some Division One experience as a GA. He played Division One in the Big Ten. So there's a lot there that I liked that I don't have, that my, my other assistant doesn't have. And um, it, it wasn't easy by any means. And I don't want to have to do it very often. Yeah. You know, again, because it, it takes so much time. Um, but just really like sitting down and say, what are my program needs, both from a personality standpoint and as from a recruiting standpoint or a schematic standpoint or whatever, you, maybe you lost and you need to kind of get back or, or think. So I, I think just, you know, self-evaluating um, what the needs are of the program and find somebody, somebody who can come in and fill those needs. Mm-hmm. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach, at this time we're gonna we're gonna change gears a little bit here. We're gonna we're gonna jump into our uh, John Wooden quote of the day, uh, the, the the Bible uh, Wooden: A Lifetime of Observations. Um, if you don't have it, folks, go out and buy it. It's Christmas time. Ask for it for Christmas. Uh, terrific book. So many great observations from Coach Wooden. Uh, Tim, are you ready for the John Wooden quote of the day? Yes. All right. So. Uh, from page 86, I'll, I'll read the quote. Let me know what you think of it. Uh, page 86 of Wooden, A Lifetime of Observation. Here it is. 
You are in the presence of a true competitor when you observe that he or she is indeed getting the most joy out of the most difficult circumstances. The real competitors love a tough situation. Yeah, that's a great quote. I I think real competitors love to have their backs against the wall because you find the most out about yourself as Mm -hmm. a person in those situations. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think real competitors, true competitors want to play against the best. They want to be pushed and challenged past their breaking point, get out of their comfort zone because they know that's what's going to make them better. Right. Yeah. Oh, um, so no, I, I think, you know, like I said, I, I think competitors know that challenges will make them grow and yeah. then they seek those out. Yeah. You know, and I, it actually, that actually, it's funny. That was the quote today. So in, in practice today, uh, we ended practice with a situational game, um, tied score. I asked this particular team, great team, uh, Hey, you guys, they won the most drills leading up to this. So they had the choice. If you want to be at the line shooting a one-on-one and potentially play with the lead, or would you like to not shoot the free throw and potentially be down? And uh, my backup point card actually said, suggested, uh, hey, we should we should play down. We shouldn't shoot the free throw. And I, and everybody else said, no, 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 we need to shoot the free throws. We, we, we played from behind too much this year. You know, we, we need to work <laughs> with playing with the lead. Uh, which is also true. Yeah. Um, but that struck me, and I'm like, that's a great answer because um, he sees the big picture. Yeah. You know, not that the others didn't. Yeah. Um, but it, to the point, to the quote, it's, it kind of goes, you know, with, you know, what that thought process is there. Yeah. Well, and, and I think uh, what we refer to it a lot of is in, in our program is those, uh, you got to take a look at the, the woman in the mirror, or in your case, the man in the mirror. And, you know, what do I really want out of this? What am, what am I really willing to do for the good of the team, for the good of the situation? You know, when you don't play well, uh, you only have yourself to blame uh, in most of the time, you know. And so, I, I, you know, one of the things I love about coaching my kids, you know, we're, we're one and three right now. And we had one extremely bad loss. I mean, it was it was like, you know, we buried it as soon as we left. Uh, and, and we're down a couple of really important pieces and we're, but we're, we're three points away from being, uh, three and one instead of one and three. And they've, they've just fought tooth and nail. And, and that's the biggest compliment I can give them is, is, is if, if you have players that are competitors, you can live with about any result, win or lose, because you know that there's no lack of want to or desire to win or to sacrifice for the team. It's, it's the team's that are not competitive. Those are the ones, as you said earlier, Tim, those are the ones that leave you staring at your ceiling in the middle of the night going, how do I get it out of these kids? You know, 100%. You know, I know I've been there. I'm sure you've been there. Yep. Yeah. I think everybody has. Yeah. Yeah. If you do this long enough, you have been. So, um, hey, let's jump in to, uh, let's jump into your philosophy here, Coach. Um, let's, let's talk about your practices. You're just talking about practices. We were actually talking a little bit off uh, off air about practices and, and, and our practices today. So, uh, or what maybe that was at the beginning. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm starting to lose it here. Um, uh, it's at the end of the semester. My brain's a little mush. I, I, I need a few oh, yeah. days off from teaching here. So, uh, but let's talk about your practice setup. 
the way you put things together, uh, what you give your assistant coaches, what you give your managers. Uh, and as I often say at this point, uh, I'm just going to kind of let you cook. And if I've got a question for you, I'll politely uh, try to interrupt you and, and add something in there. But just tell us about your practices there at Kirkwood. Yeah, so I love um, practice planning and then also going to other practices to see how coaches plan their practices. Like, I'm almost a nerd about it. Like, yeah so curious of how other people do things just to say, Hey man, this or one drill or one change. I really like that. Just how could I, how can you be better constantly? Cause I think my AD says this all the time. Coach, coach Doug Wagmaster, who was the coach at Kirkwood for a number of years and had a lot of success. He goes, if you have a bad practice, the first thing you need to look at is the practice plan mm-hmm. instead of blaming the kids. Yep. And I think that's so true. You know, and it's and it's it's been true majority of the time. If you if you don't have a good one, you're like, you go back to your office and you're just frustrated, like, what happened? And you go back and look. It's like, oh, well, I kind of set them up for failure there. I should have had that there. You know, I didn't really consider this. So, I I think you've really got to spend a lot of time thinking about it and. Yeah, I know that's not always easy because if you're a high school coach and you're teaching and, you know, you've got a lot of other things on your plate and you, and you can only meet for a half hour, or even not even that with your with your staff. And, you know, you, you jot some stuff down just from some thoughts that you have or whatnot. But I think, you know, the more thought that you can put into how you structure your practice, because it's the most important thing you'll do yep. at work that day. Yep. hundred percent. Yep. And. You know, I'll, it's always funny when 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 people or family members, you know, who maybe aren't familiar with coaching, they ask, "Well, what do you do? You know, what what, what do you do?" And it's like <laughs> I spend a lot of my time just thinking. Yeah. You know, honestly, yeah. like I sit at my desk and I just think. Yep. And in your planning, and you're going over how 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 would this work versus this? How is this approach? You know, or what's I've got five different drills to work on transition defense which one or which two do i think are going to be help us the most in in, you know getting back better so you know the thought behind it i think always the amount of thought you put into it is i think going to then show and how well your practices run yeah well wasn't it wasn't wooden that said you know for every minute of practice you should plan it for for two minutes or, you know, some, some, some sort of ratio like that, or for every minute, you know, if, if you have a hundred minute practice, it should take you a hundred minutes to really think about how you want to run that practice or something along those lines. So it, it, it is so very, very vital just to, I, I know I'm obsessive. If I could just save an extra minute or two here, that'll give us an extra minute or two to rebound for another minute or two, which will carry mm-hmm. over. And, and if I can pre-plan that out and if I can spend an hour planning my practice to save us five extra minutes to where we can get five more minutes of development, then it's well worth it in my eyes. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I'm the same way. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a to the minute and can we, do I shorten this to get more time here, et cetera. So, cause we're, you know, we're all, you know, fighting over gym time and you only yeah. got a certain amount of time that you can get it in. You know, it's not like, and you know, we don't have our own practice facilities like, you know, Creighton or Nebraska or KU, or you mm-hmm. can you know you can spend two and two and a half in there if you need to teach or whatever. So you've got to be efficient with your time. Mm-hmm. 
and I yep. think too, like, because you have to be efficient with your time at the high school level or at the small college level, if there's gym space issues, et cetera, I think sometimes coaches can get hung up and they don't move on from drills when they're doing, when they're going poorly and they stay in it too long instead of just saying, you know what, forget it. We're going to come back to it tomorrow. We've got to move on. It's a, you know, you're, you're stuck in shell yeah. for 30 minutes when it should have just been a, you know, it was a 12 minute deal, you know, like, yeah. What are you really getting out of that? What point are you really proving there? Are you making yourself feel better about it because you're making them stay in the drill? Or, you know, or are you actually getting something out of it? Because you're not getting something out of it. Just move on. You know, yeah. just, just it wasn't meant to be that day. Yep. You know? Yep. So, you know, when, I, when I'm sitting there thinking and looking through practice, um, generally we'll always start out with some sort of like starter, whether it's a, you know, a full court shooting drill, um, whether it's a passing drill where we have to communicate and think, um, if it's a, uh, like today we did a, uh, we call it Rutgers finishes where we, uh, the guards drive and the digs have to relocate to a sweet spot or, um, you know, we work on throwing it up to them or, or dump down, etc. Like something to get us moving, talking, thinking to start, we'll always get a lot of, sh- we'll get some shooting in there early. Um, and then I like to go to live about the third thing we do, we're doing something live, whether it's working on our emotion, whether it's a quick transition game, whether it's transition offense or defense, something to like just really grab their attention and hey, here we go. Um, and then we kind of then go back into kind of our half court stuff. Some generally I'm, I'm a defensive minded guy first and foremost. So generally then it's going to be, Hey, we're going to go back into some defensive, um, segments, whether it's a small sided game, um, a drill, rebounding, whatever it may be, you know, to get us to a drink. Um, and then it's that middle portion will be kind of a big, big teaching segment of mm-hmm. this is what we really want to get accomplished today. So then when we then now go live here at the end, we need to be able to see can you take what we taught and then apply it in a live you know, situation. So, um, that's really kind of how it's structured for the most part. Um, there's definitely some, you know, nuances, you know, with, with, with it all. I've really tried to get away from the last two years drills and wanting to really go more to playing live. And it's not always five on five. It could be three on three, four on four, whatever. And, teaching through live play versus teaching through a drill yeah. that's not live. And, uh, I've liked that. Uh, there's been a big push, you know, on Twitter, you know, with small sided games and teaching through live play and, and things like that. And so I, a little change has been September has been more drill based mm-hmm. and then October has been more play based in practice and moving on. And it's, it seemed to have worked for us. And there's certainly time and time for drills. You know, I'm not saying that, but, uh-huh. Um, a lot of live play, a lot of situational live play, especially, you know, up five, four minutes, down five, you know, three minutes left. It's, um, you know, tie game, 10 minute game or whatever it may be. And then teaching out of situationals, mm-hmm. um, a lot and going through that. Um, so, you know, um, and one, one thing I guess I, I learned, I'll share this. We went, had the opportunity to go watch 
um, Iowa practice um, earlier in the year and watch Fran conduct um, a practice and um, they were installing some plays. And I had always just, you know, the traditional, hey, we're going to rep it dry, right? Run through it 5 on 0, and then that's it, you know? Yeah. And the retention wasn't, it's never been good. You know, it's always like we, we never run it right. It's never clean when we do kind of then bring it back into live play. And they installed, and then they ripped it live. So from a dead, they would run the play. They had just installed against live defense. And then the defense would break, and they can, you know, you can run whatever you want. You can work on your fast break, secondary, whatever. And then they blew it dead, and they flipped teams. And that, the second team then ran the new play live. And I thought, man what a way to teach that. And we've done that this year. And I, we felt like the retention of what we installed has increased because of that. And so just always trying to like go to other guys' practice and just pick up just something small like that just to help us be more efficient. So, um, I don't know if that answers your questions. No, 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 that's that's, a little bit. No, that's good stuff. What, what, um, what what do you got your uh, what do you got your managers and your assistants doing mm-hmm. while while you're while you're rolling there? Yeah, every drill, um, I try to have an assistant in charge of or looking or coaching something up. Whether that's you know um, if it's a defensive drill, we're, if we're scoring up by stops, you know they're going to be on the baseline. Hey, yep, that's a stop. Or you know, we're really emphasizing getting contests. Or yep, that's a contest. Or no, that's not a contest. Or it's, if it's if we missed a box out, always giving them something um, to emphasize that maybe we need to work on, right? Yeah. Yep. And so, always giving them a purpose in a drill is huge instead of just kind of just watching like me, right? Yeah. And because as a head coach, you can't see everything. Yep. You can't. And you're going to focus on, you know, the main one or two things you want to focus on. But then I think the assistants then need to be worried about everything else that you've probably already harped on and taught, right? Yep. Hey, are we on midline? Are we, you know, did we have a good box out? Are we having talk backside? Whatever it may be, give them a job. Um, and then have them lead a drill. You know, like give your assistant coaches some ownership to um, because the only way they're going to be able to get to be a head coach, they, they need to experience teaching and talking. And I think as a young assistant, learning how to be efficient with your words and how you teach and speak and not over explaining things, that's a learned skill yep. in a practice, right? Yep. And, you know, hey, you, you got 12 minutes for this drill. We can't use up five minutes of it over explaining how it runs, yep. right? Yep. Explain it. In a minute, minute and a half, and let's go. And uh, give them ownership of a drill. And now I play assistant a little bit, you know. And because I think that's important, too, because your players need to know when your assistant coaches stop and speak and talk, they need to act as if that's coming from me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I need to, I think you need to give your assistant coaches there's that ownership and that um, they need to have that respect as well that you do from your players. Mm-hmm. So I do that a lot as well. So, mm-hmm. um, and we talked about that beforehand, you know, and it's not every day, um, but it's like, Hey man, I, I, I want you to lead this one, have something ready to go. Yep. Um, I, I really kind of want to focus on this, this and this, but I don't care how you set it up. Yep. It's you. 
Yep. So, um, and then managers. Um, we're lucky. We actually have three good, three ones this year, mm-hmm. and they're awesome. And there's been some years we haven't had any. We might have had just one. And uh, so we're actually a little spoiled. So, you know, I think, you know, if you can have somebody really good on the clock at all times, um, that's huge because they can help you stay on schedule. They can buzz it. Um, you know, having a great shot clock, you know, whatever it may be, keeping scores, so you don't have to worry about that is huge. Um, and then we usually always have, we, we usually film our practices too every day. So, you know, I'll in that practice plan, I say, hey, you know, I want to film these two or three things that I want to go back and watch. Mm-hmm. Having a guy up filming it. Yeah. And this year, one of our managers is nerds out over film, loves it. So he films it. He knows how to upload it. And then at night, he's, he tags it on Huddle for us. Wow. So the next morning, it's done. We can watch it. We've got stats from the practice that day and it's unbelievable. Like again, like, so just like finding things that they're interested in, like, what do they want to get out of it? Do they want to be a high school coach? Do they, are they just doing it just to be a part of things? What do they want to get out of it and then help them grow in that oh. position? Cause I started, I started out as a manager, Yep. you know? And so I've been there. I know. And I had guy like coach Hanson, fortunate where he helped me grow in that position. Uh I want to try to do that too for managers that work for me. If they have those aspirations, you know, um, to move in the profession. So, um, and then our third guy is just kind of an energizer bunny. He's running around with a towel, wiping up sweat, wiping off our clipboards right after we draw something up, um, you know, getting guys water all the time. So just, um, and I think those roles need to be defined. Um, they need to be typed out. You need to have a meeting with your managers and say, this is what you need to do in practice. This is what needs to get set up every day before practice. And that's your responsibility. So if it's not, you know, done the right way, we can say, Hey man, like, what are we doing here? What's, why is this not the way yeah. it needs to be? And then I give one of my assistants, they're in charge of the managers. So there's that ownership from them. Uh-huh from an assistant over those managers overseeing some people um, and making sure, you know, things are kind of running the smoothly and things are getting set up and put away the way that um, I want. Uh-huh. Coaches, you know, just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs, but sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs, and now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. Well, I tell you what, you can you can tell your guy that's breaking down the huddle film if he ever wants to live in the metropolis of Fort Calhoun, Nebraska. I got a gig for him, man. So 
you know, um, two gas stations, uh, a post office. We got it all, Tim. That's that's all. Just tell him that's oh, all I he needs. Up in Fort Calhoun. It's yeah. a nice place. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's a it's a it's a wonderful community. I, I've I've really enjoyed uh, working there and being around the kids. So uh, sounds like you got a you got you got a, a good group of kids uh, working for you there. Um, let's jump into a couple more things if you if you got time for it here, Coach. Uh, yeah. let's, uh, let's talk about your defensive philosophy, your half court defensive philosophy. Uh, you, you've had, like I said, we've talked about it earlier. You've had a lot of different experiences. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're doing there at Kirkwood and, um, you know, how you're, how you are, uh, building your defensive philosophy with your kids, uh, to be as efficient as you have been in the half court. Yeah. So, um, when I first got on Rock Valley, I I adopted the pack line because that's what I coached, you know, under for, you know, shoot seven years at that time as an assistant. So it's what I was familiar with. I saw it work. I it resonated with me, like just kind of a blue collar, tough. You know, we're not going to give you stuff at the rim. We're going to keep you out of the paint. Type of mentality. Um, and, uh, if you ask coach Thompson at OCI, I was not known for my defense, you know, he was not very interested in that aspect. So then, you know, to be about that as a coach is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but, um, really loved it and, um, took that the rock Valley and installed it. And, um, that's why we ran here even here at Kirkwood. We've been, we were Kirkwood or pack line for my first really four years, of, of being a head coach and it was and we were successful with it my defensive philosophy and, I, and this is i think um important too is as a coach you need to have that philosophy defined you need to have it written out and you need to believe in it uh-huh. because i think you can say it you can think it but if that philosophy is not on paper it's very easy to deviate from it yeah. if things aren't going in the right way. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think that's important. You know, have a mission statement mm-hmm. for your program on defense. Have a mission statement for your program on offense. So, so you know, <clears throat> like for us, we're gonna we're gonna um, we're gonna limit the opposing team to one shot every time down the floor. Um, and contest shots. So, and keep the ball in the paint. So, you know, whatever what we're emphasizing there is protecting the paint. We're emphasizing rebounding, and we're emphasizing contesting shots. Mm-hmm. And all in that like one sentence that we have. Yeah. So, in that you can unpack. So then our our values then defensively, you know, come from that mission statement. This is what Kirkwood defense is going to be known for in the league when mm-hmm. teams think of us they know we're going to do x we're going to do z we're going to do y down yeah. the line yeah. every game and then i think if you can define that coach then your practice plans need to reflect that yeah because if you say we're going to be about this this and this defensively then your practice plans better show it because yeah. if it doesn't then you're not going to be able to do those things well when you play. Yeah. So for us, we work on constantly on contesting shots, rebounding the basketball and keeping the ball out of the paint. 
Mm-hmm. Every day. Yep. In some form or fashion, we're working on that every day. Um, so, defensively, I've been pack line for my first four years as a head coach. Um, we had a lot of success a couple of years ago. We had a top five defense in the country. We allowed, you know, about 63 points a game right this year. Right now we're allowing 67 points a game. You know, opponents are shooting, I think 32% from the floor, 30% from three. Um, and a lot about defense is you can run whatever scheme you want, but if you don't at the college level, when, when recruiting, Find guys that are that you can tell value defense. It's it's going to be hard, yeah. You know, and I I think we've done a good job of that as my time as head coach is finding kids that are going to buy into that side of the floor. Um, so energy and effort it will always be the biggest you know denominator in if you're a good defensive team or not, but. Yeah schematically traditionally I've been pack line um, traditional pack line uh, maybe not traditional we don't we don't force middle mm-hmm. um, might be like a traditional pack line will we're more straight up guard your yard mm-hmm. um, hey your help is to the middle you know we don't want to get beat to the middle but we also don't want to get beat baseline either yep. so you know the, and then the one thing I took from coach Holmes at Swick is you know if you think of a uh, uh, a four out motion. And if you get blown by in the slot, so they're driving downhill towards the wing slot drive, traditional pack line will help in from the corner. Correct. Yep. And you're susceptible to driving kicks. So we will actually, instead of doing that, we will actually close out and stay home corner and rotate over backside big and then backside defenders will crack and split mm-hmm. um, is how we've done it. Um, so you're making and how that, we still do it. you're making that kid that's driving basically have to turn and torque completely all the way out. Instead of seeing anything that's right in front of his face, he's got to completely turn and twist and kind of, you know, do things that my body hasn't been able to do for a while in order to, to kick it back out against the help is, is the yeah. way, if, if I'm seeing it correctly in my in, mind in a, here. In a perfect world, yeah. yes. Yeah, okay. that's what it's supposed to be. And, and at this level, we have, there's such good players that, they, you know, they can, they'll still beat you, you know, even because they're so athletic and, and whatnot. But um, that's what I believe in schematically. Yeah. And um, so, and then this year over this off season. I admittedly got a little bored with the pack line mm-hmm. and um, we were a little, not a little, we were a lot longer on the perimeter with our incoming class. You know, we've got six, three, six, four, six, six wings. And I'm just like, you know, I, I, I we're a lot more athletic. Mm-hmm. How can we use that to our advantage? Cause, cause what the pack line doesn't do a lot, it doesn't create a lot of turnovers Correct. or at least it hasn't for me. Yeah. Yep. No, you're and, right. You're right. You know, being a defensive guy, you know, our offense, we, we the last few years we, we've averaged in the seventies, we've been good, but not great. How could we just generate some easier points? And, um, over COVID, um, watched, uh, you know, zoom with Chris Jans 
um, who was, he was still at New Mexico state. So Chris, um, is a former Kirkwood head coach. He actually won the program's first national title in 1998. Um, friends of the program. He's very good friends with my AD. He's been around. Um, and, um, called up his assistant and got some ideas and we made a little schematic change. And so this year we're actually, it's very simple. If the ball is above you, we're in denial. And if the ball is below you, we're in gap. So it's a little of a pack line hybrid mm-hmm. of sorts. And I, I, it's allowed us to use some of that length and athleticism a little bit better than what we were, we were using it in the past. And it's been really good for us. I think the guys like it, you know, especially guys that come from high school programs that do, you know, get out and deny. We got a couple of kids from Chicago and that's all, that's all, you know, that's, that's the only way they know how to play, yeah. you know? And, um, it's been good for us and it's been exciting because it's different and it's, it's kind of, it's forcing me to coach, you know, maybe a little bit better, just differently. I'm out of my comfort zone a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's been a really good change for us. I really liked it. Um, and then, um, you know, big thing, you know, schematically for us and at the college level is ball screens. How are you going to go ball, guard ball screens? Yeah. So, um, you know, we will down or ice everything on the sides and then anything middle channel, and I'm a, I'm I will die on this hill that <laughs> you better have really good middle channel ball screen defense, or teams will abuse you. Yep, and yep. score out of it. So especially at your we, level. Yep. Yeah, at college level, and even really good high school in the metro, you know, you will. So and and then with ball screen defense, and in the middle channel, we will um, force left. We call it a weak, and then. Um, we can it's either like a really good hedge or you can trap it, etc. So everybody on the floor knows where that ball's going. So we know where our tags are coming from. Um, and we know how to guard that action. And it's been really good um, for us. And that's when we've done that in the middle channel um, the last four years and it's still with a lot of success. So um, this guy is my philosophy, I guess, in a nutshell, you know, I, I believe in good pressure defense. You know, we pick up the basketball, you know, probably 80, 80, 85 feet away from the rim, the, you know, at the free throw line on the other end. We dog it up the court, have really good ball pressure. Um, you know, we want to speed teams up that way, too. So, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's nice at the college level because you can recruit to that, too. You know, it's, you know, high school guys, are, I think, are some of the best coaches because you're continually having to adapt to the talent level that you have, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you have to be a little bit of a chameleon that way. So, yeah. but, uh, you know, defensively and then be able to rebound the basketball finish, finish possessions, um, is huge and working on that and just harping on it and teaching it, um, is, is, you know, the most important thing is you being great for the first 25 seconds of a shot clock. But if you can, you continually give up offensive of rebounds. You're not a good defensive team. Yeah. So, um, working on that, what that looks like, etc., is big too for us. Yeah. Tim, awesome conversation. Really love it. Uh, you guys are rolling right now. 12, 12 and one, number four in the country. Uh, got a couple more games before your Christmas break. Uh, you got to be feeling good about your squad. Yeah, we do. Um, you know, there's always room for improvement. You know, we've 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 won a couple games. Uh, you know, last second shot had a had a had a couple comebacks where it wasn't really looking like it was going to go our way. But 
you know, I think it kind of shows the character this group has and, um, you know, they've really bought in to, um, to some of those things that we talked about tonight mm-hmm. defensively, yeah. you know, and, um, and, um, and it's, it's been showing kind of in our, in our, um, results here this semester. So we've got a really good group of guys. I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a team that, um, you know, our community can really get behind and, and, um, cheer for, and, um, you know, we get out, we get out to Omaha, Nebraska, out in January, we've got the, uh, the Iowa Western Northeast, uh, swing. So gotcha. if anybody's out from back home, you know, we'd love to have you come check us out. Um, but, um, yeah, fun group of guys, you know, we got one more game here before break coming up, uh, on Saturday. Yeah. Um, but, um, but they've been fun so far to coach. Good stuff. Coach, if, if, uh, people want to know more about your program, how would they look you up? Twitter, yeah. social media, uh, you can website. find me on Twitter yeah. at coach underscore Sanquist. Um, or you could go to our, um, our, our men's basketball Twitter page at KCC underscore MBB, um, or to our athletic website, Kirkwood Eagles.com. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Tim Sanquist, head men's basketball coach at Kirkwood Community College in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, Coach, thanks so much for your time. Glad we were able to put something on here. Um, You know, just uh, hope you had a good time on on the podcast here tonight. No, really appreciate you reaching out and asking me to be on. And anytime I get an opportunity just to talk some hoops, um, I'll jump at it. So I really, really appreciate you, um, you know, thinking of me enough to, to invite me on. Hey, you bet. Not a problem. Um, really appreciate your time. Uh, going to keep an eye on you. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how the January schedule breaks here. My, by that point, my wife probably want me out of the house a little bit after the Christmas <laughs> break here. So might have to swing over to uh, the eastern side of uh, Council Bluffs and, and, and check you guys out. I'll give you a holler. So uh, uh, if you could hold the line a quick second here, Tim, while I wrap everything up, uh, that'd be good. So, Sounds good. Uh, Tim Sanquist, head men's basketball coach, Kirkwood Community College, episode 154 of A Pen and a Napkin. Great conversation. A lot of really, really good stuff uh, from Coach Sanquist tonight. Uh, again, we want to thank COSAC Chiropractic, our founding sponsor, for sponsoring the pod. Uh, follow us on Twitter at A Pen and a Napkin. Download, rate, review this. Again, subscribe. The subscriptions are going up. That helps us get more attention. When people search basketball podcasts, this pops up a little bit easier, a little bit quicker. And that's, that's what we want. We want to help as many coaches as we can. So uh, questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Check out a penandanapkin.com. Pretty good coaching website. Uh, I like it anyway, but it's mine, so I'm a little biased. And, of course, patreon.com backslash a penandanapkin. Uh, again, Tim Sanquist, great job tonight. Got a great thing going there at Kirkwood. If you're over in the eastern Iowa area, check out his ball club. Uh, number four in the country. Really got it rolling here. And uh, he's doing a terrific job. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.